Hello, Peter. Hello, Jen. A couple weeks ago, you and I were on a tandem coaching call with one of our clients,、mm -hmm. and you said something that I can't stop thinking about. I、uh -huh. realized since you've said it that I already inherently believed it to be true and necessary, but hadn't put the words to it yet. And what you said was, "The reading is the work." Oh, interesting! It's always nerve-wracking when you're about to quote me back to myself. <laughs> What did I say? The reading is the work. Now I recall that. I recall that. Okay, yeah, this is something I'm actually struggling with a little bit, even though I said it. So let's dig in. This is the long and the short of it. Our client was sharing how. They sometimes felt quote guilty、mm. for the time that they spent reading or listening to podcasts or whatever it might be, rather than working quote working.、Mm. And、mm. you said the reading is the work, and went on、yeah. to unpack that. But I can't stop thinking about it. So can you can you tell us all what do you mean by that? Well, in that context, and I guess the context of this conversation, what I was referring to is that reading, I guess, a specific type of book, like the type of work that this particular client was doing, was actually you know coaching and thought leadership. So we weren't talking about reading Harry Potter necessarily. She was discussing making time to read books, like we've mentioned on this podcast many times before. Books like Steal Like an Artist, books like Start with Why, books like. Dare to lead, like these kind of thought leadership style books, and I feel like I've known this and I've said this for a few years now, and I think I admitted in the process of us having this conversation with the client that I still struggle with this, even though I like、mm -hmm. intellectually understand it to be true. What can be hard to get your head around is, as a freelancer or an entrepreneur or someone working for themselves, as a coach, as a thought leader, as a creative individual, is. Reading books like that is going to hone your thinking, help create aha moments and connections that you might have. It's going to expand the stories that you might tell to clients or on stages, and so of course that is an invaluable part of the work in air quotes that you do as a freelancer, thought leader, entrepreneur. You are carving out time to intentionally expand your mind, I guess. And the fact that we, I guess, as a society, struggle to accept that that's part of the work is like a fascinating, just kind of anecdote or sidebar. I grapple with it too, but I was kind of realizing in that moment with her, and have thought about this a few times. If I spend an hour reading during the day, that's not me taking a break. That's the、mm -hmm. work. Like、yeah. I'm learning, which I'm going to then apply to the conversation that I have with Jen in an hour's time. Like that is part of my practice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's made me think a lot about our obsession with something I'd call cup of noodles productivity, where you know, cup of noodles, you just add water and suddenly you have a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Two minute noodles. Two minute noodles. We right. Exactly. So when it comes to productivity, like if we don't see the immediate results of what we're working、mm. on, we forget that it's work. And、right. what I loved about this motto, <laughs> the reading is the work. It's、mm. like a tool of permission 
to say, I don't need the results from this right this second. I'm committing to planting a seed that has room to grow over time. And I just think that is so important to get away from this cup of noodles philosophy and more into the planting seeds philosophy. Mm. Oh, I'm obsessed with that. I mean, I think I've shared on this podcast before. I've had various experiences in my work where I might have a day where I try and avoid these now, but you know, in the past I've had days where you spend nine hours on Zoom Mm -hmm. bouncing from one client call to another client call to another client call to another client call. And I remember at the end of some of those days thinking, oh, I didn't really do any work. I didn't get to the work. And then reminding myself of like, oh, no, I think actually my friend Mark Domkins, who I'm sure I've shared this story before, one time I was really lamenting and struggling with this idea that I I wasn't doing enough, I wasn't doing appropriate amounts of work. And he said, oh, but showing up is the work. Mm. And I, I think it's the same philosophy, like reading is the work, showing up on a call to serve a client, that's the work. Right. And to tie this back to what you were saying, it's like we've been conditioned to thinking, the work is the thing that gives you immediate gratification, like right. pinging someone on Slack or responding to an email because you get that little dopamine rush of completion of satisfaction or whatever that is or crossing something off your to-do list. And how much research is there now on how that is just like shallow work that doesn't actually necessarily create an impact. The thing that creates an impact, to your point, is planting seeds, reading books, showing up, serving people. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sidebar, my meditation teacher, the amazing Mark Price, I should probably drop his info in the box of goodies because yes. oh, I'm learning also, so much. Also, you have a meditation teacher now, a meditation teacher. I do. And we'll do a whole episode yes. on that someday. Yes. But yes, he was yes. saying today that the average person in America, I don't know if it's true in Australia, spends two hours a day answering emails, responding Mm. to emails. And I had to laugh because I'm like, Jen spends two hours a month (laughs) (laughs) answering emails. (laughs) Uh, You know know what's shocking is I hear that and go, oh, I thought it would be more. I thought it would actually be more. That doesn't mean composing new emails. That means responding. Responding, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my relationship with email is not one that people should model themselves after. It's like highly dysfunctional. And I'm really not exaggerating when I say I spend about two hours a month on email. (laughs) I just pretend like it isn't there. But to your point, like we have this productivity crisis where it's like I have to be doing something so I can check something off the list rather than understanding that I can do things now that will pay off later. Mm. Okay, I want to turn this toward something we've talked about in the past that I hadn't fully connected the dot between this and the reading is the work. You know, in my calendar, I have these chunks of time scheduled, one called magic time and another called white space time. Mm -hmm. And I realized after thinking through this motto of the reading is the work that my magic time is long-term seed planting. I have no idea what mm. it's leading to. And my white space time is short-term seed planting because it's project-specific. Hmm. Hmm. But in both cases, oh, that, the reading is the work. That's interesting. And does reading come into any of those? Like, Do you sometimes use magic time to read a chapter of a book? That's right. I do. 
and, you know, or listen to a podcast or go on a walk or go to a museum and look around or take in some people watching. Mm. Yeah. It's so wild that we trick ourselves into thinking that reading a book is like such a luxury or a a thing that is a guilty pleasure, you know? Like it's, mm-hmm. And I still think this. I still grapple with this every single day where if I have an hour and an afternoon free, I still struggle with the idea of using that to read a book because I guess that's how society has conditioned me, even though I'm the one that said to you <laughs> and this client, the reading is the work, the reading is the mm-hmm. work. So I'm like, I'm going back to the well on this so many times. It reminds me of another thing that I feel like maybe we've talked about on this podcast. I have definitely written a blog post about it, which I'll drop in the box of goodies, that sometimes we can accidentally conflate reading or listening to a podcast or whatever it might be with procrastinating. Mm. And I, in recent years, have tried to separate procrastination from curiosity that what I do when I'm procrastinating doesn't really provide any value to my life or anybody else's life. But what I Mm. do when I'm curious, which is like going down these research rabbit holes, will ultimately offer some value to my life and someone else's life. I love that. Is this an aha moment? I'm not sure. Is there a way to frame that almost as like, if the reading is the work, then what I just heard from you is almost like following your curiosity is the work. Yes. Yeah. Which could be, yeah, right. I mean, we're using this idea of reading, but yeah, it could be a podcast. I mean, it could be another one I have is like a conversation with a friend. So I have a friend yes. of mine, Josh, who him and I walk, we've walked, you know, like an hour or two each week for the last couple of years. And at sometimes I've caught myself being like, oh, I don't have time to have a walk, you know, invest because I've got so much work to do. And then I remind myself that so often those conversations I have with Josh, I'll unlock some idea because he'll Mm -hmm. ask me a great question and that will then make my work or my day a whole lot easier or better or different because he's given me an idea, he sparked a thought. So there's all these like activities on the periphery, which again, are not necessarily reading, but are I think fall under the same umbrella of following one's curiosity of investing in thinking, investing time in thinking. Yeah. I'm I'm laughing because it's kind of reminding me of how we typically start these podcasts. I was having a chat with a friend or, you know, I was listening oh to God. a podcast or I was reading I read this book. This book. Yeah. Right? Right? But you know what we've never said? I was playing this game of Candy Crush and <laughs> So maybe for us, you know, the barometer is like, could you make a podcast episode out of that? So true. Or we've never said, I was replying to this email and then I said, and then I thought. Seriously. Seriously now. Well, I couldn't open that way because I've never replied to an email. (laughs) I was ignoring this email and then, yeah. Listeners, just like side note, in the first year that we were recording the long and the short of it, every couple of weeks, Pete and I would record a short snippet about Jen's email saga, and there was never an end in sight, so we just stopped doing it. 
think we have those raw recordings still somewhere. <laughs> Maybe but someday it, yeah, we'll finish that episode. <laughs> it's true. It got a bit repetitive because it was just like, no, still a dysfunctional relationship, still dysfunctional. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <sighs <sighs> oh, my gosh. So I guess the, I mean, one clear takeaway I hear in the way that you shared what your process I think is really awesome, which I don't have, which is, I mean, you don't have to call it reading time, but putting magic time or Mm -hmm. curious time. I love the idea of having like curious time in my Mm. calendar. And then I'd have a, a journal that I look at each morning that has like a list of things that I consider to be healthy habits. Mm. And I try and do a couple of them or three or four of them each day. I'm wondering now if I could have like a list of things that allow me to follow my curiosity, like reading or listening to a podcast or walking with Josh and then trying to make time for, you know, one of those a day or maybe two of them a week or whatever the number ends up being. But yeah, I like that idea of like, here's a menu. You just have to pick a couple of them each week. Oh, I really like that. And especially if the options are kind of broad, I'm thinking right now of like, oh my gosh, it was so many years ago. Like maybe how old am I? (laughs) I'm 46. So I was probably like, I don't know, in my early 30s when this happened. So a Hmm. client of mine wanted to create a one-person show for himself and had never done it before, and I was going to direct. And we were like, well, let's really see if we can understand this genre. So we would buy a hard copy of Time Out magazine, which basically was like listing all of the things that were happening in New York, and we'd open up to the cabaret page literally close our eyes and drop our finger on the page and whatever Mm. show we landed on, we would go see it. Nice. So we never picked anything based on our preference. It was just like Mm. trying to understand things within a certain genre. And it was so fun. We learned so many things that we would never have learned and seen things. Ooh, that, (laughs) you know, sometimes, sometimes in this life, you see things you don't want to see, but you learn from them. And that was really fun. So like on your list, it could be go see a show, not a particular show, but just randomly Mm. pick one. Yes. And listeners that can't see, which is everyone listening, Jen has the look on her face of someone who has seen some things. You know, the look of someone (laughs) is like, I've seen some things. I've seen some things. (laughs) I do live in New York City, so (laughs) I've seen it all at this point. The point that you made is an important one, I think, to emphasize, which is genre, because I, I kind of joked at the start of the client we were referring to and talking to at that moment was we weren't saying, oh, go and read, like I joked about, Harry Potter, because right. that wasn't necessarily within the same genre of what this person was working on. So whatever industry or field or curiosity you have, whether it's coding or thought leadership or cinematography or whatever... It's about firstly getting clear on what that is and then getting curious about what are the things within that or what are the resources within that? What are the podcasts, the books, the shows, the movies that would help you hone your craft, I think. This is not just, yeah, listening to a podcast for the sake of listening to a podcast. It's actually like, I guess it's intentional, which is, you know, one of Pete's words for 2022. I'm just weaving it into every single conversation I can. It's intentionally consuming or spending time thinking about things that are, like you said, that you're curious about, which then benefit or feed the work that you're doing. Yes. And there is 
something about curating your consumption that is Mm. very, very useful. And I think there's another layer here or a different direction, which is something I've referenced in previous episodes, seeing the world through project colored glasses. So let's say you are reading Harry Potter. Mm. and you are a student of leadership, you could ask yourself, what does leadership look like in Harry Potter? What does good leadership look like, Mm. Dumbledore? What does bad leadership look like? Um, Umbridge. Exactly. You know, and how could I actually draw some connections? Maybe I could pull some of those stories or some of those references, put them in my backpack of stories for when I'm writing a keynote or something like that. You know, there's learning time, which is, I think, what you're talking about, where you like intentionally curate what you are inputting to be topic specific. And when you're just entertaining yourself, like reading Harry Potter or watching a show like Alone on the History Channel, one of Jen's favorites, that you could on the heels of that just say, is there anything that I just saw or read that I could find relevant to the work I'm doing. Mm, yes. And I just, I feel like it's worth saying, you just made my mom very happy, who is <laughs> who's one of our number one fans of this show because she's, <laughs> Hi, constantly, she's constantly telling me and reminding me and nudging me to read more fiction and think about mm. how there are lessons within fiction that apply to your work, but also just to read fiction for the sake of switching off, which... Yeah. yeah, is you know, it's another thing to intentionally do is to read or listen or consume something for the sake of, you know, exercising a different muscle, i.e. maybe just switching off from the nonfiction for a second, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when we did our favorite things for a 2021 episode, you and I both said we're going to read more fiction this year, not just for me, at least not just in the summertime, and I'm doing it. Nice. Me too. Me too. I think I'm on my second fiction book already this year. Me too. It's exciting. Oh my God, look at us. Look the at reading us. is the work. The reading is the work. Okay. So I'm learning from the way that you applied the very thing that I said to you, <laughs> which is so, <laughs> so ironic. You know that idea of like, we should listen to our own advice. You know, I'm here. I yep. am telling this client, don't worry, the reading is the work. And then it's also like, Pete, you know, the reading is the work. I think I'm going to add to my calendar curious time or or Mm. something like that and like I mentioned write a list of things that I would do that are in line with the reading is the work and then make space and make time for them so thank you for that little nugget well ultimately the big thanks goes out to you Mr. Shepard because I truly have not been able to stop thinking about that simple simple sentence a motto that I intend to continue to live my life by Reading is the work. And that is the long and the short of it. <laughs>